0: Welcome to the C3 Calgary Podcast. Thanks for joining us today for an inspiring message from our East Village location. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we would love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Word, woo, woo, woo. thank you, wifey. We were married uh, eight years' anniversary yesterday, so I can say wife of eight years now. And uh, no one else I'd rather do this life with than you, Brittany Tebbett Janelle Flight. So, um, happy anniversary! And it's so good to see you guys here. We made it out, we have survived the cold. We will rebuild Calgary. We did it. It's such a good thing. I walked to church today. I you know and I I was like I need to take my hoodie off it's kind of hot out there and you guys made it it's good to see some of you guys you know it's amazing what happens in the cold in Calgary people disappear yeah. I mean I I know there's literally that happens but I mean people just us able people who are um, around all of a sudden just disappear so it's nice to see some people back in the house tonight and uh and we're we're in for a good night how, like I was on the worship, but how good was the other guys on the worship team tonight? Didn't they do so good? It was great. I love our team here, getting here nice and early. I got to experience what they go through every week again, and I'm just so thankful for everybody who volunteers here in, in any kind of way, and, um, and it's an awesome thing. We're in the middle of a series, Embrace the Awkward. Who's been here for any of the last couple of weeks? Our series, Embrace the Good? Oh, great. That's a few of us. If it's your first time here, that's okay. Doesn't matter if you missed it, um, it's going to be good for you tonight as well. And uh, we've been talking about a culture of community and connection. You know, um, C3 Church, we are Christ centered, Jesus is the head of our church. He's the head of the church all around the world, and he's the head of our local church here. We are um, people of the Word, of the Bible. Are you, like, Is anyone with me here? You're tracking We We love the Word of God. We love the Holy Spirit. We love coming together as, as the people of God. And in that, we have certain cultures uh, that we sort of like to foster and create, and one of them here for us is community, doing life with each other. Life is not meant to be done alone. And then sometimes when we um, we meet God, and or we um, you know experience God, or we grow up in a community, a church, and it isn't it doesn't meet our expectations of what we thought it should, or we come up against um, some opposition or something, we can think, oh, it's heck with it. All I need is God. I don't need other people. That's a lie from the enemy. We are actually created for community, and I understand that so many of us have had bad experiences. in in churches in the past. Maybe it's your first time back in church for a long time tonight. Uh, Maybe you've been coming back a while, but you have these fears and things that come up because of your past experience. I want to say, I'm sorry that you experienced that. And I, I I would Pray that you would have the grace of God to get through it. Some of you guys have been through awful things. But I would say that don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because God has a community that he wants to plant you in, engage you in, where you can both sharpen others and you can be sharpened in. So don't give up hope is what I'm saying tonight. And I I hope to unpack that a little bit more tonight. We, um, We started off at the start of the month. Everybody was coming back from holidays. The series, we had Pastor Phil last week talking on prayer um, and kind of that, uh, but I link that in with community rather well, if I don't say so myself with our theme. Um, but, and then tonight we're uh, going to be looking at, if you wanted to title the message for those who are taking notes and want to go to heaven, um, it's okay. Um, it's, the, uh, it's the art of godly conversations. There's an art to conversations. Have you ever thought about a conversation? Probably probably not, I didn't until this week really. It's a weird thing. We talk to somebody and they talk back. And depending on their response, we talk back a certain way. And then if that's a really good response, we'll talk back. That's a conversation, right? That's how at least that's how some conversations should go. Has Think about the most awkward, uncomfortable conversation you've ever had in your life. Is there, has anybody had a really uncomfortable conversation Yep. My prayer is that it wasn't this not, uh, tonight before church. I really hope it wasn't. It may have been. I Forgive us if it was that. Um, but we've all been in awkward conversations. Who's had a good conversation before? Yeah, good. I'm glad. Where we all walk away feeling energized and encouraged and pumped up and, and feeling so good. It's amazing what a conversation can do. Depending on, on how it goes, it can wreck our day. It can make our day. One conversation can change your future forever. Every life-changing moment, every big thing that's ever been done probably started with a conversation, a connection, something, an interaction of some kind with people. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight, the importance of conversations In our life, let me pray um, just to keep me on on track here, because I'm excited and I have lots of stuff here, but but I don't want to ever get tied to what I've prepared uh, at the expense of what God's wanting to do tonight. Um, And my as I was preparing the message this week, often I'll have uh, like a, a picture in mind or something, but every time, every time I sat down to go over the Word to pray, God gave me an image of people who have come in tonight. And you have, uh, the image was, a padlock over your mouth, over your lips. Something's been locking your voice, locking your ability to talk to others. And I believe to pray to God as well. And something's been holding your speech and, and trying to steal your voice. And I believe tonight God wants to free you from that. I see padlocks opening up as we explore the word tonight, but more as his Holy Spirit ministers to us. And so sometimes it's not even really what's going on up here ever. It's actually what's going on in here. And you have faith that God wants to deliver you from that. Because I believe that everyone here has a voice. And if the enemy can silence your voice, he can silence your future. But God but God is in this place, amen. And he, and he is the one who set the captives free. Those who are the, the sun set free are free indeed. And so I believe tonight, that padlock that maybe you resonate with that, you've felt over uh, your voice or your lips, over your mouth, is going to be broken in the name of Jesus. Maybe for some of us, we actually become aware that we've been living under oppression from the enemy. And in that awareness, then we can step out in faith and God's going to bring freedom in this place. Is anyone with me? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like God wants to free some people tonight. And so uh, let's pray. And, and, and like I said, maybe you're not even aware of that. And as we explore his word tonight, you will start to resonate with that picture. We're going to have an opportunity at the end of the night to respond. But don't wait for that moment if God's got the freedom for you now. Grab onto it and take it. So Lord, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your church coming together in this community. I thank you. You have a, a word for us uh as, as corporally, Lord, but also individually. You have something you want to say to each person. So I pray I wouldn't get in the way of that tonight, Lord. I would pray the, uh, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be your spirit ministering in this place. Lord, so I thank you that we have your awesome word that we get to explore, your Holy Spirit that speaks to us in gentle whispers. That, and Lord, I pray that we would be quiet enough to hear your voice tonight and obey God. And we thank you for the freedom in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so the art of godly conversation. This is what I want to say up front. I unapologetically, unapologetically believe that God wants each and every one of us to be planted in a community of people that we regularly fellowship, engage with, make friendships, worship together with, and grow with. Unapologetically, I believe that's God's will for you. I believe that, um, and I can be unapologetic about that because it's my studies in the scripture, which the Bible is one of the biggest passions in my life. I think it's crystal clear that you are designed to do life with people in community. And we see that in what we observe, we see that in the Bible, we see that in the Trinity God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, He's in relationships. And I believe that God has a community for every single person. And it's not just something that we need to tick the box, come along to on a Sunday. Well, now I'm glad that that's done. It's actually something that we're meant to engage with. We're meant to find friendships in. And we're meant to step into new levels of our destiny and future because of the community that God's placed us in. So this is one of our cultural values that are so important to us. And uh, and it's, like I said, it's community and connection. So the scripture, we're kind of being... Looking at and then, um, you know, going into other areas, the word of God has been Acts chapter 2 and the entire passage there from 42 onwards. But I just wanted to remind us, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship in the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. We looked at that a couple weeks ago, devoted themselves. But why would you have to devote yourself to fellowship? Like, isn't it just meant to happen? And I meant to arrive to a community, arrive to a, a new school, arrive to a new workplace, arrive to a new church, and everything's just meant to be smooth sailing. Has anyone ever had these romantic ideas? Is it just me in this place? Because pretty soon that gets taken from you and you realize, ah, community takes work. It takes interaction. It takes conversations with people. It doesn't just happen. That's why um, right there in the in the... Early history of the church, post Jesus' uh, res- death, burial, and resurrection, it says they were devoting themselves to community, to fellowship. It takes devotion, but it's worth it. There's a cost at times. Does anybody have ever had a cost to being planted in a church or a community? Maybe hurt feelings. Maybe uh, having to um, set up and pack down in Fort Calgary every week for two and a half years now. Maybe some things like that. There's a bit of a cost. But it's worth it. Amen. It's worth it. We get to come together, worship in this amazing setting, um, praise God, meet with each other. But it's not just about the Sunday. We then get to have friendships that continue and flourish throughout the week. Church is so much more than this building on Sunday night. The church is not a building. It is you. It is I. It is us. And we are to devote ourselves to fellowship and to community. So where I want to jump into tonight, and I have a lot of scripture for us, because somebody told me that you guys are hungry for the Word of God. I don't know, that's just what, I had a bit of a feeling, so you guys don't mind some um, bigger passages of scripture. But we're going to kind of, where I wanted to start was Hebrews 10 chapter 19 sorry chapter 10 verse 19 that's what's going to come up here but you'll notice here um it says in my translation therefore brothers and sisters and as we know time that there's a therefore in the bible it's there for a reason so i thought i wanted to get in and, and look at what that therefore is before we jump into the reason of the therefore you're tracking with me so let's, I'm gonna I, did, I didn't send it in, so it is not Sarah's fault on the screens. It's my fault that it's not going to come up. But that just means we should bring our Bibles to church. We should have our fake Bibles on our phone, the app. It's not fake. It's real. It's fine. It's just not paper, is what I meant. Um, and I'm gonna read, sort of, break us down through chapter Hebrews 10 because we should, anytime we see a therefore, we should want to know why it's there for. So I'm just going to read this. It says, Hebrews is an amazing book, um, and we don't really know who the author is. Lots of people have speculated whether it was Paul the Apostle, and he he hasn't done that. Other people would say it's uh, Clement, one of the early church fathers, but really no one knows because God chose in his uh, sovereign nature not to reveal that to us. Maybe there's a reason for that, but we do know that it was included in the canon of Scripture. Therefore, it's the Word of God. Breathe that. So he's been slaying out the amazing thing of the gospel, the, the theology and everything through it. And we could go, though therefore, we really could go back all the way to Hebrews chapter 1. So I hope you guys brought your pajamas and your sleeping bags tonight. No, we're going to go from Hebrews 10 and just unpack why it's there for It says, The old system, under the law of Moses, was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves the sacrifices under the system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide the perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Okay, so what we're talking about there is the Old Testament laws. Okay, you know how our Bible split into the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we see that Moses, uh, man of God, amazing, amazing leader, and he brought in the sacrificial system and it continued to progress and evolve through the through different prophets and different um different leaders and this is an amazing thing that we can learn a lot from is the word of god but it says that it was only a shadow of what was to come it was a shadow so as amazing as the system was and that people got to um come before god and bring their worship it was just a shadow it was it was a dim preview of the good thing to come guess what friends we're in the good thing and I'm glad we are in the good thing. So it's saying that the Old Testament law of sacrifices, of bringing animals and little sheepies. Bah, bah, it's a bad sheep impersonation. And, and chop, chop, and snip, and put on the altar. And that was just a shadow. Sorry, is that too graphic for a Sunday night? It's like like most of us eat meat here. Anyway, it's all good. So, um, and, uh, but put it there. It was something they would do regularly year after year. But it was just a shadow. It was never meant to be the permanent thing i got to keep moving here because we're going through it. But so that's why it's saying that it's a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. There was something else to come. That was Jesus Christ coming and establishing a new covenant, a new agreement with his people. But it was the one that was always meant to be. It was just a season that God chose to use the sacrificial system. So verse 2, it says, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, this is the sacrifices, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshippers Would have been purified once for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. So we understand if the the bulls and the lambs and the pigeons and the bunny rabbits and the things that would happen, and just messing with Janae mainly, but she didn't pick up on that one. She's too busy taking notes. She's awesome. Um, Were good enough to get us uh, cleansed before God, then they would have. Right? This makes sense. This isn't rocket science here. Um, they would have been purified once for all time and the feelings of guilt would have disappeared but instead these sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year isn't that funny so the sacrificial system that God established that God set up for a season would actually remind them of their sins one of the um things of of living in the the good thing, the gospel that we live in, that Jesus was our sacrifice once and for all, that we no longer have to do that sacrificial system anymore, is that we can forget just how, we can forget the cost of sin, the price of sin in our life. Sin being the things wrong, because they were reminded every year, they got to see, hey, the things that I did wrong, look at what this has caused. The bloodshed, the sacrifices, the destruction. But because we're living with uh, with Jesus, which is amazing, I just want us to never forget that how the price that was paid for our sins. Because we're at risk as a modern church and in this age of forgetting the price that was paid, just how how heavy our sin was, just the destructive it was. But God came through and made a sacrifice for us. Let us never forget the sacrifice that was paid. It says in verse 3, but but, yeah, sorry, verse 4 For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. This is when Christ came into the world. He said to God, if you, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, God didn't want this. It was just there. It was a means to an end for us to realize how our sin was, uh, how wrong it was, and how much we needed a Savior. It says, But you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, So Jesus said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. Pre New Testament. The Old Testament points to Jesus. It is written about him. It is for him. It is through him. It's pointing to Jesus who will make the ultimate sacrifice for all of us so we all can be cleansed once and for all. I'm taking a bit of a different uh, route to the way that I planned, but I hope this is all right because this is good news for us. It says, um, first Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifice for sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. It's canceled. Some of us are living under the Old Testament still. It's canceled. He canceled that agreement. The new agreement is found in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. Someone remind me where I was. Verse 4. Thank you, Jesus. For God's will was for us to be made. Look, I have come to do your will. Yeah, verse 9. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus and Christ once and for all. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. You sit down when the job's finished. Jesus finished the job for us. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Wait, so are we? did he make us perfect or we being made? Yes, both. He made us perfect, but then we are stepping into being holy, to walking out that holy. For by one offering, he made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says... This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds then I then he says I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds If you know Jesus as savior God's forgotten your sins you need to forget them too The past is the past and it's past he paid the price once and for all. It's time for you to step into your future and destiny. Stop being chained by the past and the things you've done wrong. God wants you to go, no, no, those things that you, you did wrong, you came and met me. You accepted the price that was paid once and for all. Now I have a future that is good. It's awesome. You don't have to be chained to those things anymore because of the freedom that's in Christ. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer Any more sacrifices. Now we're at the therefore. You guys with me still? We live in the best agreement with God ever. Other people in history before Jesus... They are covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. What he did was for them, but they had to live under a different system. And I, for one, know that I am not living into the fullness of the covenant that God has arranged with me. And this year in 2020, I want to step into that more, that God has sanctified, he has cleansed me, he is sanctifying me, he has freed me, but he has empowered me. He hasn't just forgiven my sin, he's empowered me to change my community, to change myself, to change my family, to change my situations, to change my city for his glory because what he did was once and for all for all people all people and it's exciting okay therefore as a result of that is what we're talking here as a result because of what we just talked about just then because of the good news because of what Jesus has done therefore remember it's there for a reason Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, hope you're approaching God confidently, humbly but confidently, because Jesus' price was enough, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another. This is where we get to community. This is where we get to connection. How we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, this is a mind-blowing, mind-blowing passage. I can't even get started on it, Um, but I'm going to try. It's amazing. And what I really want to focus on in in our series and community, that as a result of the gospel, we are outward-looking, community-focused people who regularly meet together not out of religion, not out of something we have to do because Jesus has paid the price for you, my friend, but as a result, that empowers us and then we will then walk in obedience because we are fully loved and fully known by him that we will spur on each other towards love and good deeds, so encouraging each other in community and not give up meeting together, meeting regularly. In the context, the writer here is talking about as coming together as believers for fellowship, for worship, for prayer, for breaking of bread. The same thing that Paul was talking about um, in our Acts, sorry, not Paul, uh, that we see in the early church written um, by Luke there, the book of Acts in chapter 2, the same thing. So here's what I want to kind of break down and go into it. If you need to sit forward, because I've been just vomiting a lot of information at us today, to be graphic. Um is that exclusive to meeting together Sunday night at 6 p.m. at Fort Calgary's C3 Church? No, absolutely not. But I think it includes it. I don't know. This is just my opinion. Is it um, exclusive to the way that the modern church meets and does a worship service? Absolutely not. But I think it qualifies. I don't know. Everyone's going to be quiet on me now. This is my question to us tonight. Do you have somewhere? That is your, your home community, your home church community. And I love that we get to come together as, as people from all around the city, all different walks of life, all different churches, all different expressions of God. Do you have somewhere that you call home? That's my question. Do you have a community that you would call your, your home church? I believe that's what the Bible is speaking to. Meeting regularly with people and connecting and uh, and, and fellowshipping requires people uh, regularly showing up to the, a similar group of people. Not always the same people, because we learn in Acts 2 that their number was added to daily. I can't wait to go back to the days um, where the church is added to daily. It's not just Christmas and Easter, but the the... Holy Spirit's so present and the love of God is pouring out that all throughout the week we're seeing a great move of God in this city. I believe the best uh, revival is yet to take place in Calgary and we get to play a part in bringing in the presence of God because He wants to meet every single person. It says His will is that no one would perish. If that's His will, that's what should be our will as well that we're reaching out. I love there's so many great churches, but my question is, are you regularly meeting together with people who are sharpening you, you're sharpening them, you're growing, and if someone asked you, what's your home church community, you'd be able to answer. That's my question tonight. Mine's C3 East Village, if you didn't know. Um, but but that's, there's many great churches out there, and anytime a preacher or a pastor talks about coming to church regularly, I know, I know what you're thinking. Well, you would say that, pastor. You've got an agenda. You've got something going on there. You're trying to grow the church. And of course, I want to see the church grow. Of course, I want to do it. But, but frankly, I don't care about numbers. I, like It's so easy to get caught up in big churches, small churches. I care. Are you plugged into the place where God would have you fellowship regularly and connect? Because that's the place that you can grow. And if it happens to not be here, we'll miss you. But it's better. I would rather you find the place where you can flourish. Where you can flourish. I can sincerely say that to you tonight, but I hope it's here. But I sincerely want you to find a community that you call home. And if you call it home, then call it home. Really own it. Really engage it. Don't say the church, say my church. That's my church. I have ownership. I have a part of this, regardless of what you're doing in it. So um, that's cool. You can think what you want. I don't mind. I know. Through my conviction is it's been for over 17 years of being a Christian now. And when I first dove into the Word of God, I've been pastoring over a couple year, years now. My observations, my understanding of the Word of God, not perfect by any means, but the revelation that God's given me personally is that those who are regularly gathering, those who are devoted to a community and to fellowship, um, generally, speaking in general, is, um, spiritually mature more than someone who isn't committed to regularly meeting for fellowship. are Less likely to yo-yo in their walk with God. Yeah, we have ups and downs, but we have a community to help us through it. That's my observation. That's my conviction. Does it have to look like how we do things? Not at all. There are many beautiful expressions of God's fellowship and community all around this city that look very different to us. In eternity, we're all going to be worshiping Jesus together. And it's an amazing thing. But on this earth, we need to find one that we call home. Skip ahead of a big section here. I just hope and my prayer is that you have a community of Jesus-following, Holy Spirit-led, Bible-believing people that, that you call your own. That You don't just attend, but you're actually engaging with. And if you don't, I invite you to give us a try and make this one home. See how it goes. We push through things. We don't all uh, agree on the same things. Sometimes we like different songs, different to other ones. Some of you guys like the way Brad preaches better than me. That's okay. I like the way Brad preaches better than me as well. and It's all that. But I'm not talking little issues. I'm talking if there is a significant reason that you can't work through in your home church that will make you plug in and grow, then I think that you need to find somewhere else where you can flourish and grow. So conversations, to bring it back, the art of conversations. In the meeting of and the regular fellowship that takes place, and that word fellowship we unpacked at the start of the month. You can get the podcast, but that speaks of gathering around a similar belief and goal. Jesus Christ would be one of those, a um, fellowshipping, right? But the original language and also just the, um, the nature of where the church was at at that time they didn't live in 2020 Calgary and have the privileges and freedom we have. Actually, persecution caused them to be quite, quite close together and fellowship. And so because we don't have that in the same way, we have to make more intentional effort because we're not forced to do it, but it's still something in the Word of God that we should do. Um, they would have been having great conversations. So I want to spend this last sort of 15 minutes um, speaking about conversations and bring it back to that because... Uh, We live in a world where uh, over 70% now, they say people um, say that they are lonely. I think that starts from Europe. It's from one of the universities there. I'm not sure what it's like here. They say that they're lonely. um, And about the same percentage say that they don't feel equipped to speak to people and to communicate with people. So it's a double-edged sword, right? We're feeling lonelier than ever and less equipped than ever to actually get out of our loneliness, so it's so important for us that we have the ability and the freedom and the confidence and the identity and the techniques to have great conversations. Bingo, you got it. I know so many people who are passionate about God, so passionate about God, want to do His will, but are quelching or squelching the fruit that God wants to produce in your life because of the inability to communicate just with people. Passionate for God, love God with all your heart, fully saved, but don't know how to talk to people, and it's turning them off the fruit that you could bring them through and the fruit that you could have in your own life. Maybe this is out of a harshness or a um, just a a focus that that makes you not be able to talk to people. Maybe it's out of a fear. Maybe you're that padlocked person that God's going to break free in this place tonight. Something's Some of us, and we all experience it in different ways, are uh, uh, pushing down what God's wanting to do because we're not good at conversations. But the good news is we can get better. We can work on that. We can give that to God. We can accept his freedom. Colossians 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is very convicting to me. And it probably should be to you too. Always be gracious. Your speech should always be gracious. Paul here is talking in response particularly to um, in the uh, believers of the day, talking to the non-believers. But the principle, I believe, applies outside of that as well. Let your speech always be gracious. Always. Like not only when you get eight hours sleep. Like not only when the, the temperature gauge says over zero degrees. Not only when you have a really nice breakfast and you get that moment to sit and have a coffee. It says, always be gracious towards other people. Should we move on? Seasoned with salt. (laughs) Seasoned with salt. Our speech should be seasoned with salt. So that's an interesting term. Um, At the time and in the day, uh, salt was very valuable. And it was the only way they could preserve meat and different types of food, one of the only ways in the hot climate without electricity and the privileges we have. So salt speaks of preservation in in, in some ways. So sometimes that can be translated as preservation. Seasoned with salt also means maturity. So in the context of our speech, to be seasoned with salt is that our talk is meant to preserve, not deteriorate. It's meant to give uh, hold and and, and um, it's meant to uh, preserve rather than take away from. It comes back to being gracious and answer each person. Um, it's good to answer each person, but it's talking there about being theologically and into the Word of God and into the Holy Spirit, into community that if someone comes with a question, We can bring an answer because we're not just into shallow Christianity. We believe that this is the real deal and we live it out in all areas. So we take the time and effort to read our word, to know what's going on, to get into it. So i got to move on. Say, move on, Stephen. Stephen. That was maybe not because you guys weren't super convicted. Can you say, "Move move on? That was better. Okay, I'll move on. Colossians 3, verse 8, just a little bit, a chapter before it says, but now you must put them all away, anger, Wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Man, conviction again. That's a big standard Paul is is instructing us in. And I'm not there yet, and there's a good chance that you're not there yet either. But that's an aim that we get to strive towards. So when we have conversations, are we angry? Are we Slandering? Are we gossiping? Are we talking? I just want us to be more aware of our conversations. That's all I'm trying to say tonight. And let's pursue the things that the Word of God says, the way that we should speak. Obscene talk from your mouth. All these things, it's an aim. And we can step into it out of the grace of God. It's not something to feel bad about in a guilty way. But if we're convicted about the way we speak, God can come in and help renew our mind and shape us. As we partner with him and actually make intentional effort to talk better. To have greater conversations. Let's, let's look at a few Proverbs here. Because um, Proverbs says a lot about our speech. Proverbs 15 verse 1 and 2. A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge. But the mouths of fools pour out folly. I'm kind of not going to go super deep into these ones at the moment. But a soft answer turns away wrath. When you respond to somebody that you don't agree with in our conversations, are you giving a soft answer or are you getting defensive? Are you flaring up? Are you attacking back? The Word of God says that the best way to turn away anger, to turn away wrath is to give a soft answer. That doesn't mean a watered-down answer. That means a, from a soft heart, a tender heart of love and mercy for people. Proverbs 15 verse 14, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Proverbs 12, verse 18. There is one whose rash words are like swords thrust. But the tongue of the wise bring healing. Isn't that beautiful? The tongue of the wise bring healing. Are our conversations, are the way we're speaking, are the way we're talking to others bringing healing? Or is it thrusting like a sword? This is like... A minuscule amount of the Proverbs that talk about speech there that I've just said. This is what I want us to hear tonight. The truth can be spoken in grace. Honesty does not need to equal harshness. If you find yourself a harsh person when you're um, trying to share the love of God, trying to be in communication, just remember the word of God that says that the tongue of the wise bring healing. Healing and harshness don't necessarily go together. Now, I'm not saying we need to water down or be apologetic or not be honest. No, I believe our honesty flowing from the love of God is what Calgary needs. It's what our neighbors need. It's what each other, we all need. But it needs to be spoken from a place of love. You know, it's really interesting um, looking at the life of Jesus, okay? And in the Gospels, um, we have four accounts of the life of Jesus which don't give us every single conversation he had, he would have had hundreds of conversations. We know that. That's just, that's just a thing. But, but we don't have the, the privy to that. What we do have is um, just over 40 different interactions with different people. So that's not including uh, times that he interacted with people multiple times. But 40 different interactions that take place over his three-year um, ministry here on the earth. So I, I kind of looked into this a bit. We want to look at the conversations that Jesus had. Because they're the ones that we want to aim for and and pursue for. It says, in uh, in just over 10 of these cases, Jesus initiated the conversations. Interesting. In about 20, the other party did. I'm not saying this this is just an observation. And in the rest of them, a third party initiated or connected Jesus and brought him into the conversation. So, 10, 20... And the rest, um, someone initiated. They were in a variety of different settings, which include homes on the streets, by the well, as we know the story of him talking to the lady at the well, at festivals, at parties, at temples, hanging out by the lake, and in workplaces, to name a few. Lots of different places, right? This is what I, I kind of want to get at here. It says, what I'm seeing from this is, is sort of four things from the life of Jesus Um, maybe five, um, is that Jesus knew how to initiate conversations. So how do we apply that to us? Because he would go out of his way to to talk to people. Some of us, if we're struggling with conversations, with connecting in community, we need to go, actually, I'm going to be a conversation starter. Like Jesus, I'm going to start the conversation. I'm not going to just wait back for other people to talk to me and then go home upset that nobody talked to me Because sometimes we need to be the initiator of the conversation, right? Second thing, Jesus responded to the conversations of others. Sometimes we have to be good conversation respondents. He didn't just give one word answers that didn't lead anywhere. He actually responded in a way that would start a conversation, I'm just trying to highlight to us, we all go through different seasons. We all come in with different things. Sometimes we need to get better at responding to the conversations because people around you are reaching out to you, are wanting to know how your week is, are wanting to invite you to places, are wanting, but the way that you respond to them may be turning them off from continuing a conversation. I'm just saying. So we need to be good at starting conversations, we need to be good at responding to conversations. Jesus left room in his schedule for interruptions to have conversations. He wasn't too busy to stop and talk to someone. Some of us are so time crunched and doing so many things that we actually don't have the time to talk to people and then we're wondering why we're lonely. We don't have the time to go to a dinner party. We don't have the time to come to church regularly. Um, And if that's your life, you can get time management. You can figure that out, talk to God about it. But you don't have a right... To blame other people for your time management issues. That's your responsibility. God has made you able to get through that, but we actually need to have time in our life enough time to be inconvenienced by a conversation, to talk to that person that, you know, the conversation should have wrapped up a little bit earlier, but they like to go on a little bit more. Yeah, life's for people. And we need to be not so busy that we can't be interrupted, not so graceful that we can't have mercy on slow talkers out there in the world. Um, And uh, Jesus was interested in establishing common ground with others. Not so much the Pharisees and the religious crowd, but with most of his other encounters, he uh, he would find common ground. I missed one here. Yeah, no, it's, it's part of the same point. Good one. There we go. Um, common ground with others. So in the things that he talked about, but also he wouldn't stay stuck in his comfort zone. It wasn't just on his territory where we'd have conversations. It wasn't just in the safe place of Jesus. He would go out into the wilderness. He would go by the lake. He would talk at the parties. He would, wherever it was, he didn't need the perfect conditions to have a conversation. Some of us need the perfect conditions to engage in community. Well, when my job's less busy and they have a better location and the service time's a little bit different and the things take place and the the dinner party's not on that side of the city or these things that take place, um, but we actually need to get out of our comfort zone And go to someone else's common ground, into their home, into their world, and have a conversation. These are just some things I've observed in the life of Jesus. Okay, final stretch. You guys can do this. Five more minutes. I'll invite Janae up. She'll play the Academy Awards music to get me off the stage. And we'll have a great night. It'll be awesome. But a couple points, a couple ideas around conversations. Because my heart is that we would be the best place in the city at having conversations. That we wouldn't just be a friendly church. We'd be a friend-making church. And that requires good conversations Jesus was the master of engaging in conversations here's some points if you struggle with conversations, ask a lot of questions ask a lot of questions not too many questions but ask a lot of questions Jesus actually asked more questions than he answered interesting if you read through some of us like to have the answer some of us like to do the talking Jesus actually asked more questions than he answered let the other person do the talking. Sometimes, not all the time. Proverbs 21 verse 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out in trouble. Does anyone have a big mouth here that just gets him in trouble? That's, that's the proverb for you tonight. His tongue keeps himself <laughs> out of trouble. Proverbs 17 verse 27, whoever restrains his word has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So these proverbs aren't saying we don't talk. They're saying we know when to talk. We know when to stop. We restrain our political opinion if it's not going to contribute to the conversation. We restrain our theological pet peeve if it's not going to contribute to the conversation. We restrain ourselves for the sake of love, for the sake of community, for the sake of relationship and fellowship. So we need, some of us need to let the other people do the talking. Encourage, compliment, and bring comfort. Proverbs 12 verse 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Have you ever been just so anxious or having the worst day ever? Um, you know, your car wouldn't start, uh, your cat died. Sorry, that was sorry, that was harsh. But um, you just had a really bad day, you know, and uh, work hasn't gone well. Um, maybe I shouldn't play bass and preach at the same time. I get a little bit tired and reckless. Um and then, but a friend or somebody, a stranger, has a conversation with you and you feel better afterwards. Have you ever had that? That's what that proverb's speaking about here. It's saying anxiety in a man at heart's weigh him down, but all that it takes is a good word. All that it takes is a good conversation, an encouragement, a comfort, a prophetic kind of insight, or just someone taking an interest will make him glad. There's lots of people around us every day who are anxious, who are weighed down. You have the ability to bring a good word for them. And help lighten that. So that's encouragement complementing bringing comfort. And here's the kind of the last point is light conversations and lighter moments are okay. Okay? We've got to get okay that not every single conversation needs to be some big, deep thing that takes place. We're allowed to just have some lighter talk taking place. Okay, I talk when I preach. I generally speak in generality here. I know there's times where you'll meet a stranger, God puts a word on your heart, and you enter into a deep conversation straight away. That happens. I'm talking generally. Deep conversations, deep relationships, deep community doesn't take place except for built upon light, shallow, fun moments that aren't so deep. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I look back on some of my greatest friendships of how they developed, and they developed upon a whole bunch of lighter moments. So we can lighten up don't feel like if you just had a lighter conversation on a Sunday night that that's a you didn't succeed that you didn't have a great conversation because it might be that lighter conversation that you had that's going to lead you to catch up and enter into the one of the greatest relationships and friendships you ever make that wouldn't have happened if you just dove straight in big deep and meaningful and scared them off be okay with some lighter moments Jesus, was known as someone who um, would would hang out with the the drunkards and at the parties. That doesn't mean he was doing those things. He was being a light. And we see his words always were purposeful, always were impactful. But we're kidding ourselves if we think that he didn't have some lighter conversations with people because people were attracted to him. Church, I want us to get great at having light conversations that lead to deeper conversations, that lead to great friendships, that leads to great community. And as the community grows, we continue to include other people in by not expecting them to be where we're at yet because we've been here for two and a half years, but actually being able to put ourselves in the place and say, hey, how are you doing? How was your week? What happened during your week? I'll, I'll be praying. Do you want me to pray for you? You know, it doesn't have to be this big, dramatic, heavy Light beam from heaven that says you reveal the whole knowledge of their whole history, their whole past. Let's just get good at chatting. Let's get good at having conversations. I hope tonight helped us a little bit be aware of and think about our conversations. The Bible has a lot to say about speech. I, I just scratched the surface on a Sunday, and my hope is that um, it would give you an itch to dive into the Word of God and find out for yourself. Living out of my revelation isn't going to get you anywhere, but hopefully I would hope that it would spark a desire and a hope to get your own revelation from God on the issue. That's my hope every week. I don't want you to just believe what I say. I actually want you to search the Scriptures, find the truth. Um, N.T. Wright says... uh, you know, At any given time, um, a huge part of each of our philo- theology is actually wrong. We just don't know what part it is. So don't take my word always as uh, in the truth. I want it to be us to be people who seek after revelation from God for ourselves and act upon it. But I hope this has helped us with our conversations. If you're here, you feel like you've been coming and not having great conversations, continue. Maybe apply some of these principles and see where it leads you to. But I want to speak to those people with the padlocks on their mouth and on their voices because this is, this is this is crunch time. This is what matters to me. And, and if you're a believer in this place and that picture doesn't resonate with you, i hope you'd be praying with me tonight for freedom. The enemy has tried to lock up some of your voices for too long now. And he's put a padlock on your ability to interact with other people or to interact with him. And like I said tonight, that padlock can be loosed. And you can begin to use that voice to have great conversations, to step out, to not be afraid of approaching people, to not be afraid of approaching God. And I believe that lock's going to be broken here in this moment. Mark 7, we see Jesus, um, verse 31, it says, Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went to Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, into the region of Decapolis. And there are some some people brought to him a man, here it is, who couldn't hear and could hardly talk, or some other translations up there say mute, but he he could hardly talk is one of the translations. They begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Don't worry, we're not doing that tonight. He looked up to heaven with a deep sigh um, and he said, be opened. At this time, the man's ears were open and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. That's the picture I got tonight. You've been bound up. You haven't been able to talk and Jesus is going to loosen your tongue tonight. Jesus is going to be the one who does it. Holy Spirit, thank you you're in this place. I pray every single person would experience you tonight. God, I don't care what the clock says, we want you to move in this place. So show us how to Minister and to receive in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Just felt the presence of God come in a new way in this place. He's been here all night, but I, I felt him shift in this place, so I'm just kind of trying to walk that out. If that picture of a padlock on your lips, on your mouth, on your vocal cords, um, resonates with you in any way you feel like you haven't had a voice you've never had a voice your voice has been stolen maybe you used to be a maybe people have said about you you used to be such a loud child and then something happened and you became quiet if, if that picture of a padlock resonates with you in any way would you just be super brave and stand in this place as an act of faith awesome thank you god with eyes closed if if need be in this place. If it doesn't resonate with you, I I know you'll be praying for these people with me. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isaiah 61 speaks of Jesus coming to free the captives. Other translations say to loose those in bondage. James 2 verse 17 says, In the same way, faith by itself... If not, is accompanied, isn't accompanied by action, is dead. I believe there's faith in this place tonight to, to loosen the padlock over your mouth, but it requires action. And so the action that I'm going to ask you to take is just a symbol, but it's more than that. It's a step of faith. I'm going to ask us all to stand in this place. And I would ask that you who feel padlocked and bound would come down to the front. And we'd love to stand and pray with you as a church. So if you're standing now, if you want to respond and you're saying tonight's the night where the padlocks solution, could you just come down to the front? I'd love to be able to pray with you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.